I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-hosts, Rachel Galligan and Gabe Ibrahim, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we have an emergency pod. Tina Charles has been traded to the Washington Mystics. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w today we're talking about a big trade that went down this morning or possibly late last night between the new york liberty the washington mystics and the dallas wings two notes before we start today during the WNBA draft we'll be having a patreon exclusive live stream with initial reactions featuring gabe ibrahim rachel galligan B. Terrell, and a special guest along with myself that will be announced later. Following the draft, we will be having a special live stream for the public, including multiple draftees, coaches, and more. Stay tuned onto all of our social media for the link, and hopefully we will see you Friday. It's gonna Gabe, be how's lit. it going? It's going to be lit. Yeah, um, no drinking till after, okay? <laughs> yes, if we don't lose our minds during... Um, yeah, so it's going to be lit just like this trade was. This is wild. I'm stoked this morning. I'm very hopped up on something. I don't, I don't know where this energy came from. Uh, it's called caffeine, Gabe. Rachel, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm excited that we've got some uh, crazy news. It, was, it kind of got quiet for a minute, but then you kind of sat back and wondered something was going to happen soon. And every mock draft that anyone has done and spent precious time on in the last several months is now gone to waste so yeah i feel great <laughs> yeah sorry to all the folks who uh work their butts off doing mock draft uh shout out to b terrell and the variety of others uh justin carter sorry dude i know you did an in-depth one on the new york liberty that really went to shit now uh excuse my language well let's start off with our initial reactions of the deal um i'll go first and rachel and gabe honestly initial reaction okay i think we were all kind of waiting for tina to get shipped um, the question was more so where she would go and if it would be a good fit. Uh, you kind of look at it at least uh, not to get too in-depth onto each team's look, but, you know, Liberty clearly wanted to do good with her, and I think they did, putting to her to a team that is in championship contention. We'll get into whether or not DC's closer to a, a repeat after this move or not. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Dallas kind of was like, hey, let me get in on the fun and, uh, you know, drop off Taylor Hill. We'll get into that more. So I think obviously everybody has their uh, their narrative that they want to push and say that it was good. The question that we're going to get into, looking at all three teams, who really won this one? Rachel, what are your thoughts? I really think that it's uh, positive across the board. Um, I, I mean, New York, given the circumstances, I think we all kind of expected something was going to happen with Tina uh, for the last few months since free agency started. And so trying to figure out where she was going to land and obviously her having sights at getting a championship, um, you have to kind of feel like there were specific places in her mind that maybe she felt comfortable going, you know, when we talk about contenders and things like that. So if you're New York, um, trying to find a place for her and get the most value out of a deal uh, is going to be difficult. You know, that's obviously a, a lopsided thing at times when you have a player like Tina Charles, um, what you're getting in return for her, um, as we've seen historically these last few years in some of these trades, you know, it can be lopsided, but I think New York did 
you know, all right, as best as they could possibly do um, when it comes to obviously um, there being a change and kind of switching up the roster with this new era of, of Liberty um, executives and coaches and, and all sorts of uh, the fun stuff we've been talking about. But I think obviously Washington gets better. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that, that lineup looks and, and how everyone plays together. But um, Tina, you know, the first coach she played for was, was, was coach T, you know, and, and at Connecticut. And I know she has to be ecstatic to be able to return to playing with him and, and they have a great relationship. And um, obviously he's one of the best basketball minds we have in the business. So um, I think there are some question marks that I have a little bit from an international perspective in this league with the whole COVID-19 uh, virus and international players coming here, say we do have a season and when that happens, there's, there's obviously so many unknowns at this point. So I, I don't want to dive too far into that, but uh, obviously Washington gets better with adding Tina Charles to the roster. Um, and then you talk about Dallas and I, I know there's been some initial kind of question marks as to what, um, was was their involvement in the trade, and how does that make sense? But I think, you know, when, when you're talking about Dallas, they've now established three first-round picks in 2020 and three first-round picks in 2021. So I think for Dallas, it's all about positioning, you know, setting themselves up for what we have talked about really starting this year is a, a rebuild. Um, and and we've, we've kind of talked about that on previous pods of, you know, you've kind of had to switch some things up and that's taken some time. You lose players like Liz Cambage, Skylar Diggins. There's been a lot of, it feels like drama in the last couple of years with Dallas. And now they're kind of at that ground zero starting point. Um, so looking forward, you've got some great opportunities here to really get some um, young talent if you're the Dallas Wings roster. And, and Taylor Hill was, was a really high cap space. Um, or a really high guaranteed salary. So they open up a roster spot and cap space. Um, so I do think it's a win for Dallas as well. Well, Rachel just did like the entire podcast in about three minutes. Ah, sorry. <laughs> that was, that. no, that was amazing. That was very tight. I mean, as the editor of this website, the tight the tight writing and tight speaking is more than appreciated. That was, that was really good. Um, but my initial reaction um because I can't speak as, as, as well as Rachel just did there um, is that, you know, this is, there's that old saying that in a good negotiation, everyone leaves the table a little unhappy. And I think this is this kind of deal where everyone is, they got something they really like, um, but they're also leaving the table a little bit unsure um, with, with what they're getting out of this deal. Uh, for me, it, it, I was really, um, you know, I, I, I've been up and down on this trade in the past hour and a half. Just I hate it for everyone and I love it for everyone, which means it's probably a good deal for all of the parties involved, or at least a fair deal for all the parties involved. So um, I, I'm, I think it's, it's, a, it's one of the more interesting trades that we've had in the WNBA for the past couple of years. Uh, I think there's a lot of moving parts. I think there's a lot of um, things that would not have happened before the CBA. Uh, that are happening now because of the CBA. And I think it's just very interesting the way each team valued their assets and thought about how to move them in this deal. Um, so to, to me, it's something where I think it's a very fair deal, um, but I'm concerned about certain parts of it for each of the teams, while there is also positives for each of the teams. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it, but let's break it down quickly. First, let's talk about Tina's fit in DC. And honestly, like I look at this, I'm I'm gonna move into this assuming Emma's there, assuming 
all foreign players are still able to come through. So like, let's not get into the, the, the muck of if they're not able to come and all that jazz. Cause as of now they should be able to, honestly, I'm a little concerned. I don't know. Obviously if you ask me, this is a situation where Tina is going to be, have to come off the bench. Um, I just don't see a starting lineup that includes Latoya. That includes Emma. That includes EDD and Tina. Um, I, I just don't know how you're going to continue to play the style of basketball that DC has played over the past two years, um, to really show us, I just don't know how you're going to do that with this type of roster. Having Tina as a backup for Emma or Elena or however you want to do it, or even come in as the backup for, uh, Latoya, I'm all down for, but one of these big names and obviously Latoya is the least big name out of all th- all four of them. But one of these big, na- big names is going to have to come off the bench. We know Emma's fine doing that. We know Latoya, to an extent, is fine doing that. I think the real question mark, is Tina fine doing that? Is Tina in a situation in her career where she says, I'm willing to put team first. Uh, I think this team is going to repeat. I want to be part of that, and I will do whatever position it takes. Uh, Rachel, what are your thoughts for Tina's fit in New York? I mean, in D.C.? I mean, I, I think it, I think it can be a fit. I still have question marks as to kind of what the Mystics roster could look like. Um, Emma, I mean, I, I think you know Emma being fr- from Belgium and and the things going on right now to me that's a question mark. I mean, maybe things are fine. I know she's planning on being here this season, but I you don't know, you know. So I think you have a little bit of insurance there. I mean, a lot of insurance, Tina Charles. Um, adding her to the roster, um, Elena Deladon, you know, um, you know, we're talking about kind of two players. They are so versatile and kind of what they can do, where they go. Um, I think it's a good fit. You know, I, I really do. I don't know exactly what the lineup looks like. I think, you know, you, you got to talk about Elena's health. That's always a question mark. You add, you add a little bit of an insurance policy there. Um, and I mean, you know, you get an opportunity to add Tina Charles to your roster. You do it. Um, I think she's, I think she'll start. I don't know you know, who starts around her, how exactly that looks, assuming everyone is there and, and returns. But um, I'm not as concerned with that as much as you are. How about you, Gabe? I'm concerned. Um, I think the more concerning thing is what you mentioned uh, about Emma. Um, obviously, we just have – we, the teams, the players, the WNBA has no clue what is going to happen. So um, – it, it is very concerning. I do think an element to this is like what you said, that there is some insurance for Emma not being able to come, deciding not to play after next year, or EDD being hurt because um, she she did have back surgery. So it, it could give them some more time to let her heal should the season get started at some point soon. However, I, I think the biggest thing you said, Rachel, and the biggest thing I agree with is if you have the chance to go get Tina Charles, you go get Tina Charles. This is one of the best players in league history. Um, and I think, you know, she's working with Coach T. He's going to be able to put her in a position to help the team, to be a part of the group and maintain chemistry. And I think Tina is at this point going to be very willing to do whatever is best for the team. So maybe that is come off the bench. Maybe that's playing. Um, I think it's really hard to project that out without knowing what happens in the draft, what happens um, in training camp, and and just what what the whole situation is going into the season. So it's hard to project out. Um, But you just go get Tina Charles. You get the talent, and then you figure it out. And I think that's been the Mystics' 
idea. They're getting talented players who are high character, who won't mess up the chemistry. I think they have that in Tina. I think she is going to help this team win, whether that's as a super six woman or as a part of an amazing front court <laughs> with the finals MV- the 2019 finals MVP, the 2012 MVP in Tina, and the 2019 MVP in EDD. So I, you, you put that together, no matter what. You know, there's no question. I think that was the, the calculation here. So for me, uh, on Washington, yes, there's fit issues, but great deal. You do it, you do it every time you get the chance to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of what we've seen from teams like the Aces, teams like the Sparks, uh, where they have an opportunity to get a big name. You don't, you don't question that. You get it, and you figure out how to make it work. Will there be some growing pains? I think in this situation, less so than we've seen with other teams, just because like what Rachel touched on, uh, Coach T and Tina have a history together, although it will be a slightly different relationship just because this team isn't built around Tina anymore. And obviously a coach-player relationship has that element of what each of them you know, plays a role on this team. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, just announced that the Mystics will be doing a press conference interview later today. So obviously some of us will be jumping on that. and We'll ask some questions and get back to you guys on that. Let's flip it oh, a little wait. bit north. Yeah, go for it. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry. So I did want to get one thing in um, uh, that Tina actually took less money for to make this deal happen. Uh, she had a core designation, which means she was eligible for that $215,000 Supermax deal, which um, she could have signed with New York or her rights could have been traded to another team to sign her to that Supermax. However, she took less money in this deal to go to D.C., she took $175,000 for one year. I believe it is fully protected. I have to check on that. But I just wanted to point out that Tina did take less money to make this deal happen. I think she was super psyched to go to Washington. It seems like that was her number one choice um, to get out of New York when, when, when that came about. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just think about it logically, what is the situation that she, that would want her? I mean, obviously, L.A. is not going to want her. Obviously. The aces aren't really that interested in her. You know, is it a, you know, like you can go through the list of teams in this league and look at kind of like where she would fit and have a chance at a championship this year. And I think all signs point to DC. Um, so makes sense to me. Let's flip it up north uh, to Brooklyn. Let's talk about the deal for New York. Clearly, and this is my opinion, but I think it's been pretty documented. Tina wanted out. Uh, New York gets something that. Katie never got while she was the head coach there. A new, fresh start. An ability to really revamp this roster, really flip the switch on it, uh, as the TikTokers say. Um, they they add Shatori. They add Taylor Hill, which honestly is a big question mark for me. Um, and they get Dallas's uh, number nine pick in the draft this year and, and the 15th overall. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I think this is an excited one. I mean, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this, guys? Go ahead. The, okay. Um, so my thoughts for New York are, like you said, Arya, their hand was a bit forced here. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because Tina wanted out or because they wanted Tina out. It, it seems very confusing um, based on who you talk to. But regardless of, of why the situation came about, obviously Tina needed to get moved. Obviously, there was a scarcity of available options, like you mentioned, Arya, as far as championship contenders that she would want to go to. And I think... Um, to get a deal where, you know, you have to take on Taylor Hill as a, a guaranteed uh, contract at $117,000, which is not great. You don't want that. 
Um, but she again, she's expiring, and they have the cap space to do that without um, messing up their future plans. Shatoria Walker Kimbrough comes in either as a trade ship. They can move her in the next couple days for draft assets. They can move her for other pieces that they would want under longer contracts because Shatoria is also expiring. Or they could just have her be on the team, get a one-year audition, reevaluate after next year when they should have a ton of cap space to see what the situation is. They also get a lot of draft capital, four picks here. Yes, they they get the ninth overall pick, the 15th overall pick, which to me are, are valuable picks. Anything above 18 is pretty valuable. They get the 12th overall pick, which is also very valuable. Washington's 2021 second and third, probably not that valuable, but still, it's an asset that you can use and you can package in future deals. I think they gave themselves a lot more flexibility here to do more deals. And, um, you know, all things considered, this is probably the best deal that they could have gotten. Um, obviously, in a vacuum, if you're saying we traded Tina Charles for this, it's not great. But considering the circumstances, I think they did uh, a, a very good job. Yeah, and I know we had talked about this a little bit uh, prior to the news breaking, um, because there's been obviously chatter about this. If you're New York, and say the situation is Tina wants to be in a select few places, which is not uncommon. You know, we've seen it multiple times with superstars in this league of being extremely selective in terms of where they multiple times in Tina's career. Even. Right. For sure. I mean, the, the fact that there is another team brought into this deal uh, makes me believe that that that's the case. Um, you have to kind of assume that it, at some point that that at least is in the conversation. So um, if you're New York bringing in that third team sweetens the pot a little bit for them. Um, and as you said, Gabe, just to kind of echo on it, I think this is the best case scenario for them when losing, you know, a superstar in Tina Charles. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Let's let's flip it down to Dallas, the third leg of this trade. Um, for me, and I know Gabe and I see a little differently on this, so I'm excited to get into this on the pod. Obviously, we're not going to answer any questions because we're not, you know, we're not five years down the road and can and can say what was right and what was wrong. But what did Dallas do? Dallas dropped Taylor Hill's guaranteed contract, which for the fact that Taylor Hill played two games over two seasons with this team. Um, I think says enough, especially for the amount of what her contract was. They also, as we have well-documented, had a plethora of picks in the first round uh, or just overall in this draft. What they did was they were able to drop their last pick of the first round, which I think for me is a positive. If you're going to go into this situation, you want to be able to get rid of this player who's filling a cap spot. Maybe you cut her fine, but you're still paying her a ton, which to me, and I know Gabe's going to disagree with me on this, uh, is the same as having a roster spot, even if you cut her, if, if you have that sal that salary cap hit. Um, they get the Mystics 2021 first round pick, which to me is huge because they essentially, as, as I know Rachel was talking about earlier, uh, they have three first rounders in 2021 and three first rounders in this year's draft. So I think they're kind of able to sit back and go, all right, we don't have as many draft picks as we originally had in this current draft, but we do have our most valuable ones. If we hit those ones right, we can evaluate at the end of the season and then be in a much better position to maybe get one or two really good draft picks in next year's draft. Because let's be honest, Dallas, I don't care what anybody's saying, is not competing for a championship this year unless something crazy happens. So I do like this because it gives them the opportunity to not put all their stock in this year's draft, 
but say, okay, we're going to grow from this year, be able to reevaluate and grow again after next year's draft. So for me, I, I really like this move for Dallas. Uh, Gabe, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I disagree. I mean, I so let me let me back up because I do think it's actually a, a, a pretty good deal for Dallas. Uh, they get, like you mentioned, get off Taylor Hill, get some draft assets in return, get off draft assets that you're not going to use this year. In a vacuum, that's fine. I think my bigger issue here with Dallas is just like the lack of a coherent plan. Obviously, a lot of what happened this offseason was forced by the Skylar Diggins Smith trade. They had to get the best deal for Skylar Diggins Smith. They did that. They got three first round picks for her, which is very impressive and a good job by Greg Bibb and company. But it's like, you know, they also signed uh, Isabel Harrison and, um, you know, they, they trade for Katie Lou Samuelson. They give uh, Megan Gustafson a pretty big deal and they make all an ass twos deal is, is huge too. So um, you're bringing in all these people and that's great. I think those are all good moves in a vacuum. And now you, you're at this point where you have so many players that you're not going to be able to roster everyone. You're not even probably going to have everyone in camp when the time comes. You're going to have to, some of those training camp deals that they have probably aren't going to come to camp because there won't be a spot for them. So now you're in a situation where, yes, that roster spot is, um, the roster spot that Taylor Hill is taking up is valuable, no doubt. But the thing is, they could have cut Taylor Hill and still had that roster spot just with her salary on the books. There's no... The, the salary issue is not that different now than it was before because in order to bring in, let's say, three draft picks, they had the second, the fifth, and seventh, uh, the second, the fifth, and the seventh pick in the first round. If they want to bring in all three of those draft picks, they still need to cut, I think, uh, two, two more players because they have 11 players on roster without Taylor Hill. So they still need to cut um, to have twelve, to have only twelve players on the roster and keep all those draft picks, they're going to have to cut two players that they just either they just brought in or are were a part of their future as early as the beginning of this offseason. So to me, it's just like you gave up assets to get off Taylor Hill when you likely did not have to. Um, and maybe there's something that I'm I'm not seeing that they see on their cap sheet. And, and that's completely possible. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I know more than about Dallas than Dallas does. But I just think it was rash. They were like, we have to get off Taylor Hill. We have to get off Taylor Hill. And really, when you sit back and think about it, as an expiring contract, when your ambitions are down the road, you probably shouldn't give up assets to get off that deal because it doesn't really affect you because it's only affecting the short term when your goals are long term. So I, I, I think we're going to find some reporting out um, in as we go forward as to why they thought it was necessary to move Taylor Hill this year. And maybe there's a trade coming down the pike that makes it all make sense. But as we sit right now, I just have a problem giving up those future assets, giving up those these current assets to help a short to have a short-term goal, which is get off Taylor Hill's expiring contract. Your goals are long-term, which means your moves have to be focused on the long-term. And to me, this one was not. I don't think it negatively affects them in a huge way. Like Rachel mentioned, they have three first-round picks. I think she mentioned that on Twitter. Um, I think those are kind of the considerations that went into why I'm saying that Dallas's dra uh, th this trade for Dallas is not great. It's good though in a vacuum. But I think I'm gonna. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I, I hear what you're saying. I just want to pop in one thing real quick uh, before I know Rachel wants to get in on this on this conversation. I do want to initially for lack of a better terms, shit on the Taylor Hill aerial powers trade, because that was just as become even more so clear. That was just a horrible trade 
uh, for Dallas. Great yeah. trade for DC. That being said, like I said, I disagree with Gabe on that take, um, but but we'll get into that at a different time. Rachel, talk to me. Well, I just think we, we have to keep in mind how unique this year is, um, how because of the, the COVID-19 um, and because of, you know, everybody is present, everybody for the first time, probably in the history of the league is going to be present at training camp. You can only have 15 players at training camp. Um, I do think that that plays a role in some of this decision-making in terms of, you know, um, having roster spots and, and that number nine pick for Dallas, you know, chances of that being bringing any value to them this year, slim to none. So essentially what you've done is you've just transferred over a first round pick to 2021 and you've evened it out three and three, which still a hell of a lot of picks. Um, you know, so, somebody made a comment and it made me laugh about uh, Dallas being like the babysitters of the league, you know, with all these young players and, and first round picks. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of overwhelming to, to look at, but um, you do, you do kind of spread that out a little bit. Um, and I certainly can understand that, you know, this year with training camp and roster spots, that has a big, uh, big play in this in terms of opening up that cap space. And more importantly, maybe not more importantly, but opening up a roster spot. Um, I, I know that has to be at the forefront of Dallas's mind in, in kind of this discussion. Um, it's just different this year, you know, and I, I think the circumstances are forcing GMs and, and coaches to, to have to make maybe decisions that they wouldn't normally make if, if the circumstances weren't what they were. Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 am not against what Dallas did. I, th I think it's, it's, you know, in some ways when you look at it through a different lens, it's smart, you know, spreading out these picks a little bit, that number nine wasn't going to bring a ton of value. wasn't going to make their roster um, and, and being strategic with your training camp roster and everyone who's going to be present. It's just a unique situation. So I did, I did the math really quick. Um, I think I do agree with you. It's it's a very uh, it's a very unique situation, and so I, there is some more considerations than I'm giving them credit for. However, um, even with Taylor Hill's money on the books, if this team um, were to cut two players, let's say it's Kayla Davis and let's say it's Christina Nigue, just like throw toss some names out there, the, the, not who I think is going to get cut or anything, but you cut those two players. And you still have, even with Taylor Hill's contract on the books and the three first-round picks in tow, you have about $88,000 in cap space. So just from a cap space perspective, they did not need to trade Taylor Hill. Um, that's, that, that's, uh, that's why I'm, I'm saying that I don't, I don't like this trade. Just from You're, you're valuing a short-term gain for a, long, a potential... Uh, long-term loss, right? Because you could use that ninth pick to potentially trade up in the draft, even if it's trading up from six to seven, right? I mean, from seven to six, because uh, there's a player you want at six that, you, that may not get past whoever's at six at that point. So it's just, to me, it, they gave up value for something that got you n nothing this year. Again, though, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be another trade where it says, okay, that's why they had to get rid of Taylor Hill. That's what I'm going to guess is happening. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either way. I, I still disagree with that. I think, you know, they they put themselves in a position, in, in like you were saying, they put themselves in a position where they can make that trade much easier. Um, so maybe they did need to do this. I personally, I think they just wanted to rip the Band-Aid off, get rid of her, um, and, and like I said before, focus on kind of working this draft and next year's draft into a, a ultimate plan to uh, rule the WNBA. But, you know, we'll, we'll find out over the next... Uh, 
over the next few days. Um, and if you didn't already, make sure you subscribe to the Winsider Patreon. Because as we say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, like I said, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us in the hard work that we do and get excited for draft night. We'll we'll be having, if you're a subscriber, two live shows. If you're not, you'll only get one. So, you know, 